Welcome to Antelope Road Christian Fellowship. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For service times or to join a disciple group, please visit myarcf.com. Well, first off, I'm going to greet a number of groups, different groups of people in this room. How many of you are fathers or are expectant fathers? Happy Father's Day. How many of you are moms who helped somebody be a father? Happy Father's Day. Thank you. We couldn't have done without you. Um, how many of you may think someday you may be a father or a mother? Well, whatever. Um, <laughs> the um, Preaching a message on Father's Day about families is exciting, but it's also scary. When I was in college, I went to a church, a, a wonderful church. I really enjoyed it. They had a church directory, and on the front of the church directory, they had the, uh, a picture of a father and a mother and a boy and a girl. And they promoted themselves as a family church. Well, that seemed like a very good thing to do. And I thought that was awesome. We are a family church. Then someone asked the question, what about the single mom? How do they feel when they see that picture? Or the person who had the abuse of dad? and things like that. It's like, wow, I never thought about that. And so, in speaking about families, we realize we live in an imperfect world with imperfect people. But the sign on front of the church says no perfect people, perfect people are not allowed. So if you're not perfect, welcome. We welcome you. We all have role models. When I was a kid, uh, and I did grow up in a nice Christian family. I have my mom, my dad, my brothers, my sister. And so I'm, I'm one of the fortunate ones. And my dad was a role model to me. And my dad was a Church of God minister. Guess what? I'm a Church of God minister. Now, did he have an impact on me? What if he was a um, uh, military sergeant in the Marines? Who knows? I may be in the Marines today. There are Marine families. There are people who, like you hear jewelers, the family of Goldsmith and Sons. We tend to follow in the footsteps of those before us. Not always, but we have role models. Now, as I got a little older and I got into high school, you know, as a kid, I always watched Saturday morning cartoons. And after a while, I was kind of embarrassed. Saturday morning cartoons, cartoons, that's kid stuff. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm, a, I'm big now. I'm a high schooler. Not anymore, by the way. You can probably tell. Um, and my brother, who was in the Marines, he had weekend passes, and he would come home on, on, for Saturday and Sunday from the Marines. And I was in high school, and he'd come home, and he'd turn on Saturday morning cartoons, and he was a Marine, and he was laughing at the cartoons. Now, I mean, what Saturday morning cartoons were cool. And I enjoyed watching those Saturday morning cartoons. Why? Because my brother was a role model to me. We have good role models. We have bad role models. And we ourselves are our role models. It's not that I'm saying you should be a role model. You are a role model. Whether you're a good role model or a bad role model, you're, you're a role model. And fathers play a significant role in our families. So do moms, by the way. I have to commend you. I appreciate you. Um, we look in the Bible, there's, uh, in, the, there's, in the book of Acts, you see Priscilla and Aquila. Now, Priscilla is mentioned first because she was a very significant person. 
But the two of them were very close together. Now, I'm not going to really get into politics right now. My wife and I, I love my wife. We've been married for over 40 years. Uh, my, my, my first wife, my only wife. Um, and, um, but when we sat down to figure out our voting, we weren't arguing over who to vote for. We, uh, we agreed. I mean, we basically agreed. We weren't influencing each other because we think alike. When you're with someone for a long time, you, you model each other. And Priscilla and Aquila were two people who were very involved in ministry, and they thought alike. Now, there's also another couple mentioned in the book of Acts, Ananias and Sapphira. Well, Ananias and Sapphira didn't live too long after they started their ministry. Um, <laughs> yeah, I hear some laughing going on. Ananias and Sapphira were trying to embezzle. They were lying. They were lying to the Holy Spirit. And as a result, they died. We'll get into that. That's another story. But we influence each other. And so... We are role models. We are role models. People role model to us, and we become role models to others. We influence each other. When I was in college, I was a business major. I was also a theology minor, later went on to seminary. But one thing I learned is that supervisors influence their employees because employees will mimic the supervisors. If you have a good supervisor, you usually have a good, calm, peaceful workplace. If you have a bad supervisor, you see all this bickering going on between the employees. Important to being a good supervisor because you are a role model. And the challenge is if we're in, a role, if we're in an environment where we have a bad role model, we have to put up with the politics. So we live in a very imperfect world. There are scriptures. Oh, let me see. I've got to get this thing turned on. How do we do this? Good. Green light. There was, last year I was giving a... trying to get the light to come on. Oh. I was giving a sermon, and the thing wasn't quite working right. It kind of delayed. They told me afterwards that I was off the whole time. Every time I went like this, they were having to switch it up there. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm making sure that that doesn't happen again. Oh, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> well, I don't know. Word holding your mouth right. Ah, there it is. Green light flashing. So, okay. The, we're talking about the prodigal father, but, but there are scriptures in that address, specifically address men and how we are to be role models. And one is, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Well, first off, there's a role model in this, in this passage. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. So that, does that mean I get to be Mr. Macho, I control my wife, that she has to do everything I say? Well, let's see. Christ died for the church. Very humble. So my job is not to boss my wife. My job is to encourage her, love her. And if, if her life is at risk or my life is at risk, my, it's my job to die for my wife, not her to die for me because Christ died for the church. And so, in being a role model, our children look at us. And they see the father loving, humbly, his wife, humbly loving his wife. The children would say, well, that's what it means to be a father. And so, being a role model is to first love our wife. Well, I, don't really, I should say second. First is to love God. 
If we don't have a love for God, our rest of our life is totally messed up. On my wedding band, my wife's wedding band, we have one large diamond and two small diamonds. The large diamond represents God. The two small diamonds represent us. Because God is who we serve. So, we also, fathers, uh, is how you train up our children. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Again, we see that we are to love our wives as Christ of the church. We're to bring our children up in the love and instruction and train of the Lord. If, you know, when I was a chaplain, first off, I, for those of you who don't know, I was a prison chaplain for 21 years. I still work in the religious program for the Department of Corrections, so I'm very involved in prison ministry. And often people would say, being a prison chaplain, that must be a very hard job. Actually, I know it's really quite easy. Because my job is to point people to Christ. And God does all the work. I have never saved a single person in my entire life, and I never will save anybody. Why? Because Jesus saves. Who saved you? Well, Jesus. You're not going to say, well, me, Pastor Smith or George prayed with me or whatever, but Jesus saves. So our job is to point people to Christ. Who heals us when we're having... If we have anger in our heart, who helps take that anger away? It's Jesus. If we're sick, who can heal? Jesus. But the doctor's nice too. Um, but it's to point people to Christ. So we put our children to Christ, then they got their lives right with God, they're going to do much better in society. Now, here is uh, Abraham in Genesis 18, 19. And um, we, we see here that God is saying, for I have chosen him, Abraham, so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord. Why was Abraham chosen? So he can direct his children in the Lord. Why were you chosen as parents? To direct your children in the Lord. Our job is to raise our children up in the Lord. You are, and you do that by being a role model, by being a Christian yourself. You love the Lord your God, you're going to raise your children up in the Lord your God. In Psalms 34 to 11, Come, my children, this is David, Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. So there's a lot of things we can teach our children how to cook their spaghetti on the stove, how to make their bed. All that stuff is good. But most of all, we need to instruct them in the way of the Lord. That We see it through Scripture. One more verse on this. How many of you have heard this one before? Very famous verse. I see the I see the hand. I see the hand. Um, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, it doesn't say what's going to happen in between. But it says that when he is old, he will not depart from it. Because we instill in them something that they're going to come back on later and go, oops, I really been blowing it. You've heard the story of the prodigal son? Well, we're going to get into that. Jesus continued, there's a man who had two sons. Now, when you hear about the story of the prodigal son, who do you think about? The son. Why? Because, first off, the prodigal son. The focus is on the son. Who do we relate to when we see that story? 
The son who went off and blew it and came back to God. Yeah, I remember when I was a sinner and I really blew it and I was into drugs, I was into this, I was into that, and then I came to my senses and I came back to God. We can really relate to the son. Sometimes we can relate to the other brother, the little punk over there, you know, that kind of attitude. Um, but the story, and by the way, I've preached this passage so many times. I love the story of the prodigal son. But I didn't realize until I was preparing for this message, the story is about the father. Now, you can study the Bible years and years and years, and something new pops out to you. This is my big wow of the moment. There was a man who had two sons. Now, it's not the story of the prodigal father. The pro father was not a prodigal. A prodigal is a very spendthrift person who has lots of money, carelessly spending it. I had one religious volunteer, and when I was a chaplain, came to me and said, Hey, chaplain, if you, if you need money, if you need donations, I can supply that for you. I can give you whatever you need. Well, something didn't feel right about this guy, and I didn't take him up for his offer. Learned later that he ran his boss out of business. His boss gave him a company credit card to do company business with, and he was using like crazy. The story didn't end there. But he got a credit card. He goes, wow, money. Well, let's get into... So anyway, this guy here, the man had uh, two sons. And the younger said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Very matter of fact, give me money, here you go. How do you feel when your kids go awry? They go astray. Billy Graham's son, Franklin, did not live a Christian life for a while. Now he ends up an awesome, prison, uh, not prison, awesome Christian ministry. Very well known. I don't know too much details, but I know that he has great. He was Billy Graham, the great evangelist. Now I can imagine how Billy Graham felt. Can you imagine how this man felt? Because what the son was saying was, Dad, you got lots of money. I want to party. And I know that someday, whenever you die, I'm going to make it rich. But, Dad, you've got problems. You're very young. You're still youthful. You've got a lot of years ahead of you. And I don't, know, I don't want to wait till I'm old, when you're really old, before I finally get the money. So please, instead of croaking now, can, I, can you just go ahead and give me your, my portion? Now, that's a good loving son. So, the father was very sad. Didn't say he was sad, but I knew he hasn't been sad. He said, yeah, here you go. Sometimes we don't like the choices our kids make. Amen. I was in high school. <laughs> yeah. And I hear that amen. <laughs> and I saw, I saw a car... I was in college at the time. My wife remembers this car. She still loved me, even though I had it. Um, I felt it was a it was a hundred LS Audi, orange. I it, to me it was like a, a, a scaled down Mercedes Benz. And so I go, I love this car. And so I I, I went to test drive it, and the guy is the owner seller. I turned the car, puff of smoke goes out the back. I go, well, is that a smoke? Well, I don't know. I never noticed it before. I was so in love with that car, I dismissed what he said. 
And my dad was not pleased with it. He said, okay, I'll go ahead and loan you money. Go ahead and get the car. I spent more money on the auto repairs for that thing. I went to an alley dealer. He said, we don't buy $100 back. The alley dealer refused to buy their own car back. Later on, I asked my dad, how come you ever said I told you so? He says, I figured I didn't have to. You already knew. And sometimes we don't like the choices that children make. So the son takes his dad's inheritance. He goes off to a far distant country where they didn't have Twitter or email. His dad didn't know what's happening to him. And he's off there. He's partying. Like this guy who offered me whatever I need because he had his boss's credit card. He was partying up. He had, they had uh, parties. They had wine. They had women. They had uh, everything. And people liked this guy. And he, why he had it like him? Because he had so much money. And he was just spending it whoever. So you want to go have a party, go to this guy. He's going, he's always got something going on. So after a while, he reached in his pocket. No money. He goes, hey, I'm kind of getting hungry. Can you, uh, hey, friend, you're not my friend. Hey, buddy, remember that party? Yeah, well, can you let me know? No, no, no. You're worthless to us because you're not giving us anything. We don't need you. He got really hungry. So he finally goes off, and he realizes he needs to get a job. Now, this is a novel idea. This kid was the, rich, the son of a rich man. He never had to work. He goes off and gets a job working for a guy. His name is probably Moshe, a good Jewish name. And he's working in a foreign country where he learned has to feed pigs. Pigs are not kosher. And he's there feeding them pod. Well, I always thought they feed pigs slop, the leftover food, the food that's no good. Our, our older son raised a pig when he was in high school. And you know what they do? You throw food on the ground, they will even eat the dirt. No wonder the Jews do not consider Jew, pigs kosher. They're dirty. And this guy is feeding them, and he also said pods, and he did some research, so he gets some kind of a seed pod that they would feed these things. And he would get to a point where he goes, that, that, I'm so hungry, and those pods look so good. That slop looks so good. He says he came to his senses, he came to himself. He was, what am I doing here? My dad, who is his role model, or should have been, He's, his role model is coming back to him because my dad is doing so well. He has workers who are working for him and they eat good. And I'm over here giving pods and slop to a bunch of pigs. Because I'm, I'm going to have to go back to my dad. I have sinned against heaven against you. Notice here, his dad was a role model because he didn't say I sinned against my dad. He said I sinned against heaven and against my dad. I sinned against God. But we instill God in people, they think of God first. And if they instill God in other people, we need to have God in our own lives. And if we have God in our own lives, they'll look at us and they will see that we will be the role model that they need to have God first. And so he goes back, and he's going back to his father, and it says here, um, okay, I already talked about the son takes a journey. And the sun returns. Oh, the sun returns. Come on. I love this thing. 
It's not clicking. Can you click it the next one, please? <laughs> there, oh, okay, that's a good one. But, um, now let's go to the next one. Uh, do I have no, I have one right there. Leave it right there. But while here, the verse goes on to say in Luke 15, verse 20, but while he was a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him, and he ran to his son and threw his arms around and kissed him. You see something significant here? Well, he was a long ways off. His son, he saw him. What that means was he was looking for his son every single day. Every day he looked. No. Next day, my son? No. The next week? No. Maybe the next year? No. Then one day he looks. Someone have some clean my glasses? I'm not sure if I... My son. That's my son. And he gets excited. And he doesn't even say, okay, I'm going to see. He's, he's about that far off. It's going to take about another hour and a half before he gets here. <laughs> he starts running. He runs out there and he grabs his son. He embraces his son. His son has been rehearsing his speech. Father, I've sinned against heaven against you. I'm going to come work as one of your servants. I, I don't, you don't have to call me your son anymore. Just let me work for you. And he hugs his son. His son starts to spill. He could not even finish saying that he worked for one of your servants because they are so busy hugging him and, and loving on him. And he calls to have the fatted calf. He puts a robe on him because he's pretty, pretty dressed in rags. He puts a ring on his finger. In other words, he clothes him. He, he said, you're poor. This is a family robe. The ring is a symbol that you're a member of our family. You belong to us. He gets pissed on his feet because he's probably barefoot walking along with rocks. Give him the ability to move around. He took care of him. And then they had they killed the fatted calf. So they say they killed, killed the fat calf. Apparently they didn't have a whole herd of fatted calves. This is the one that they were saving for the party. And so they're having a big celebration. And the brother goes, What is going on here? And he says, Our your brother's come back and, and he's like he's dead, but now he's alive. And the brother said, Yeah, right. How come he didn't do that for me? Well, one thing that I often found when I spoke with inmates, inmates, we have a lot of Christian inmates in prison. They really love the Lord. They, they understand grace because they know they don't deserve God's love. And God still loves them. And they accept the Lord. Their whole life has changed. And they've come to me frustrated because their life has changed and people don't accept them and people don't believe them. They say, oh yeah, you got religion in prison. And my response is, how can people who don't know the Lord rejoice in your salvation? How can people who are not saved rejoice in you being saved? And when we are loving somebody, we, we reach out, we take care of them, people are not always going to understand. I remember sharing with someone at work how after the Lord impressed me to give five bucks to a homeless guy. He says, wow, I'm really hungry, thank you so much. And I mentioned it to a co-worker, she goes, I don't do anything with those guys. 
you know, and I'm working with inmates, like, well, they have nothing coming. So when we show God's love, do not always expect the world to agree with you, even those in our own household. So the father in this story, how did he role model to his son? First off, he had hope. He never stopped hoping. Every day he was looking. My son? No. Next day, my son? No. Next week, next year. He never gave up. So how do we role model to our children? Never give up. Never give up. Never give up. Because we don't know their future. We don't know how God's working. So we see on the outward appearance, God looks on the heart. Always show compassion. It's so easy to be critical at times. But when people are being stupid and idiotic or foolish, sometimes there's a reason for that. And we do not know what's going on. They're acting out. And we need to show compassion. Yeah, we may need to discipline them or whatever, and, but we need to show compassion for them. Forgiveness. Why should, I, why should this father forgive his son for taking his inheritance early, going off and squandering it, being a total idiot? Why should he show forgiveness? Well, how many of us deserve God's forgiveness? See, that's the thing about forgiveness, because forgiveness is not earned. Forgiveness is given. Forgiveness is, I love you anyway. I love you regardless, because I love you, I love you. And I forgive you. And so the father showed forgiveness. Restoration. He put the ring on his finger. He put the robe on him. He gave him the sandals. He had the fat cap. He was still in the family because the son said, let me be one of your hired servants. But he was a son. Now, something about your children. If you're the dad, you're the only dad they're ever going to have. Now, I realized when I was a chaplain in the field, I'm their chaplain. And I'm very, I was very special to a lot of them because I was a chaplain. But eventually, I left there, moved up to Sac- some place called Sacramento, Citrus Heights. I'm no longer in Southern California. And a lot of them down there, they, they don't remember me. They can always get a new chaplain, but my son can never get a new dad. He may get a stepdad or whatever, but he can never get a, another dad. If you're the dad, you're the only dad your son will ever, or your children, your daughters will ever have. If you're the mom, you're the only mom they'll have. And so he comes back and he wants to be a worker. You're not a worker, you're a son. You're my son. I'm not going to treat you like a worker. And then the announcement that I already talked about, when he said to his brother, he's, he was dead, now he's alive. But how, how, do, how can we be an effective father? Be present. Spend time. I remember the role model my parents gave. When I had problems, I was going through some crying crisis. They were watching TV. And, and I'd walk in the room. I was kind of stressed out. They'd turn the TV off. They'd listen. They gave me time. I have a son that needs a lot of time. 
I love him. He wants to talk, and I listen. Now, sometimes we'll be involved in something else. and might say, let me talk to you about that later. But give him time. Be present and listen. Kairos prison ministry has a, a slogan they say is listen, listen, love, love. That's how they model their prison ministry. Same thing works in our parenthood. Listen, listen, love, love. And talking about loving, discipline with love. So, you know, now discipline seems like a negative term, but we discipline those who we love. There's nothing, if I love someone, I'm going to discipline them. Why? Not to slap them around and say, you embarrass me, but, but to say, I want you to live a life that where you can interact with society. I want you to live a life that you have a good relationship with God. And we do that by loving, lovingly disciplining him. A man disciplines his son because he wants him to be a responsible person. Love and accept. The father loved the son. He accepted him. He accepted him back. Believe and encourage. And always be there and say, I love you, I encourage you, I, and I hear you. And one thing about loving is, is um, people want to be accepted. They, it's really crucial for them, for people to know that they are loved. They want to be accepted. And it's like, I really blew it. I really, are you mad at me, Dad? Are you mad at me? I love you. Oh, wow, thank you. Be a role model. But, now I'm talking, remember I mentioned earlier about the picture of the, friend of, of the church director, the full family? Now we live in a society that has a lot of broken families. For whatever reason, it could be good reasons, it could be bad reasons. You can have a couple start out, they're married, they love each other, they're Christians, she's pregnant, he gets killed in a car accident. Now she, she gives birth as a single mom. And to come to church, and always have pictures of the full family there. Well, I wish I had a full family, but my husband died in a car accident. Then you get the scenarios where you got the drug addict husband or the abusive husband. When I, I grew up in a good Christian family, and my perspective was a full family, and I started as a volunteer. I started the uh, I was, before I became a, a state chaplain. I volunteered, and I went to the youth authority. And there's one guy there, and I. And I looked at him, and we, I, this guy came to the Bible study, and I said, tell me about your dad. He looked at me with a blank look on his face, and says, Chapman Ritchie, I never knew my dad. He's sitting there in prison. Now, I didn't know I wasn't, at that time, I wasn't keep in contact with the people, so I kept in contact with him after he got out. And, and um, he came to church, and he was a Christian, he met his girl, she got pregnant, then they got married later. Um, but later on, after I became a chaplain, I, I ran into a cousin of his at prison. I said, how's Randy? He said, oh, he's coaching Little League right now. He did not know his dad. He didn't ever know who his dad was, but he had a heavenly father. He was a Christian. He had a heavenly father who was also his role model. And now he's married and coaching Little League. So there's hope. But calling your dad the bum doesn't mean you have to be a bum. And so how do we minister to the, the uh, people who do not have dads or have bad relationships with dad? First off, the scripture, a father, uh, Psalm 68.5 is 
a father of the fathers and a defender of the widows is God in his holy habitation. So speaking about God as a father to the fatherless. How many perfect fathers do we have here? I'm not raising my hand. I'm not a perfect dad. But we have a perfect dad in heaven who's not just in heaven but lives in our heart. Hallelujah. And so he is our heavenly father. But also, how do we uh, minister a pure and undefiled religion before our God and Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself being absolute for the world. There's another image I want to talk about. Can we offer this one? And this kid, young as adult, but he, whenever I came in there, he would always want to come see me. He created to see me. The other volunteers that went in there, he'd go, he'd go to the office, want to be with them. There's this older inmate that was one of the Christian leader inmates. He always created me with him. He came to me one day and says, Chad Ritchie, I just found out my mom visited me. I'm a product of a rape. He never knew. He always knew about his dad. His dad raped his mom. This is why he was born. But why is he coming to see me? He needed a dad. Why is he always seeing everybody else? He needed a dad. Why is he cleaning over his other inmate? He needed a dad. Also, another sad story, but you know, we often talk about gay lifestyle and it's a really negative talk topic thing, but we get to know the person. I found that in, when aliens would tell me that they have a gay tendencies or they're homosexual, and the first thing I'd ask them is, tell me about your dad. I never knew my dad. Or my dad wasn't there for me. And one thing I understand about them, those who are, who are quote, gay, they are missing the same-sex parent in their life, and that's what they're craving. So the best way to minister to a gay man is for a heterosexual man to minister as daddy of the hands-off policy. When we here at our church have people come in here, we don't always have a perfect family coming in. But we, well, we, I need to be a dad to my children and a husband to my wife. I may also sometimes be a substitute dad for a person who has no dad. And I'm going to encourage you dads here to be a substitute dad. Be that person in, who loves them, to be a role model for them. As Randy, I'm calling by first name, you don't know who was, but as Randy did not know who his dad was, he later on became a dad and talked to his kids, to his kids in the Little League. So let's be that substitute dad and to show God's love. In closing, I'd like to encourage you. Say, you are a role model. You can be a good role model or a bad role model. I encourage you to be a good role model. Showing the love of God and showing God's love to your kids. God bless you. Pastor? Three announcements real quick. If you're in our email database, I sent out probably six or eight weeks ago a save the date for the men's retreat in October, and I just want to bring it in front of you guys again. Um, this year I've got the privilege of being on the planning team with three other pastors who are putting it together. Our theme this year is live as free men. Um, I won't preach the sermon in advance, but I will let you know I'm preaching the first sermon, so when, if you get up there and you're on time, Friday night, I will be there opening up that uh, weekend retreat to let you know that if you're a Christian, every time you sin, it's because you forgot that sin isn't your slave master anymore. 
that's the only way to sin. You forgot that your old master's voice is irrelevant now. So that's what we're going to be doing for three days in October. I want to encourage you fellas to make sure to hop onto the district's website um, and register. I will shoot out the link again through email. If you're not in the database, then just come talk to me and I'll get that URL to you. Secondly, something I'm really, really excited about that's finally happening um, after eons and eons and eons. The Secretary of State's office has finally recognized us on paper as Foundation Christian Church, which allows us, <laughs> thank you God, allows us to have a formal name adoption Sunday. So we're going to have some fun. We're going to have some goodies. Um, we're going to put up the sign out front with the beautiful artwork that the Kennedys put together. So that will be Sunday, July 10. Sunday, July 10, make sure to be here. We're going to formally uh, adopt the new name Foundation Christian Church. I apologize to all of you that we've been hanging in limbo for the better part of a year, but uh, everything has finally come together for that. Um, and then, as Miss Sherry already said, last thing, if you are one of our volunteers for Bible Day Camp, she's going to have a quick meeting right now after I dismiss us uh, right here in the new office. Okay? Where's the new meeting? Where's the meeting? For volunteers of? Bravo. Bravo. Okay. Bible Day Camp people go that way. I love you. Have a great week.